This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. Similarly to episode 97, this episode is an edit and re-record of one of my Patreon episodes. Don't get me wrong, I am not running out of episode topics. What I am kind of running low on is time and productivity. Work is tough for sure, and while I can take the plunge and try to make this podcast my priority and main source of income, I can't do it. I don't want to turn my hobby into a major responsibility and then end up hating it. Anyway, enough chit-chat for now. What will we talk about today? Well, the topic of love will be a major player, but then again, there's also that one thing that destroys relationships. Money. Greed. Infidelity. But really, love is a wonderful thing, isn't it? You get support, you have someone to rely and lean on and someone to be there for you no matter what. At least, that's what we expect. But sometimes, love doesn't work out, or it gets too intense. Sometimes people get carried away, and sometimes there's cheating. Love is not simple or enough at times, as you will see in this case. A man and a woman supposedly love each other, overcame a lot to be with each other, but due to differences they could not resolve, One of them had to resort to murder. And not just one. Let's begin. The time was around September 5th, 1999. Location, Taichung County, Taiwan. One of the major rivers-slash-creeks in that area was called Shisui a popular spot for fishing. A group of men had gone fishing, but no one had any luck catching anything. As if that wasn't bad enough, What they came across next would surely make their day and everyone else's worse. As the men sat around not getting any fish, one of them noticed something odd in the water. It was very clear what it was, but the man decided to get closer to see. Whatever it was, it seemed to be wedged in between some rocks. Upon closer inspection, it started to look like a head. The first thing people think of when they see something resembling a head or a body part, it's probably not, oh, shit, it's a human head. It's usually, oh, it's probably a mannequin head, or maybe it's a super old soccer ball. Makes sense. Our minds never really prepare us to come across something terrible like that, and it's easier to tell yourself it's something completely innocent. But unfortunately, it was neither a mannequin or an old ball. It was, in fact, a human head and it looked quite beat up. As in, it was difficult to tell the gender or facial features of this head. The man, although he panicked, quickly called the police and asked them to come down immediately. The police arrived, bagged the evidence, and thus began a long search for the identity of the skull. 
except this does not get easier. It only gets more complicated as more body parts are discovered over the course of the following weeks. The Taichung police began to investigate, and initially, the victim was believed to be a man between 60 to 70 years of age. Time of death was presumed to be within two weeks based off the rate of decomposition and water temperature. It was difficult to say for sure, though, because the weather was hot, and it wasn't clear how long the head had been sitting in the river. Well, they didn't have much to go on, so the police continued to search nearby rivers and bodies of water, hoping to find something else that may have belonged to the victim. To their surprise, they stumbled upon more remains soon enough, and this time, it included a left hand, a right foot, and a vertebrae with the hip still attached to it. What was puzzling was that the hip bone clearly belonged to that of a woman. So could the head have been misidentified? Or was it someone else completely? Turns out, it was a case of misidentification. The head and the hip did in fact belong to the same person, later stated to be that of a woman, possibly in her late 40s. I know, they were way off. According to dental records, she had had a few dental implants done on her, which wasn't a very common surgery back in Taiwan since it was very expensive. The police searched all over Taizong City, checked with every single dental clinic they could find, but came up empty. The case was starting to grow cold, and there weren't any missing persons reports that matched this woman's description. How were the police able to solve this if they had no leads to go on? As if that wasn't bad enough, something pretty major happened in Taiwan on September 21st, 1999. A huge earthquake hit Nantou County, a county near the center of Taiwan, very close to Taizong County, where the body parts were found. The earthquake magnitude was 7.7, and what made it worse was the fact that it was a shallow quake meaning it caused more damage. If an earthquake took place deeper down in the earth, the shake wouldn't have been as bad. It also happened sometime during 1 and 2 a.m. in the morning, so most people were asleep, vulnerable, and probably had no idea how to react. This earthquake resulted in tons of buildings and houses toppling over or damaged, 11,000 plus injuries, and more than 2,000 casualties. It was devastating, to say the least. Police and the military had their hands full with trying to rescue people, finding missing people, clearing rubble, all that. The investigation into the mystery woman was not halted, but it was definitely placed on the back burner for now. Although they were not going to give up on solving this case, they really did have more pressing situations going on. In early October of 1999, a couple weeks after the devastating earthquake, a man had been working on some type of construction work near the famous tourist spot Sun Moon Lake, which is located in Nanto County, the center of the devastating earthquake. As he was minding his own business, he saw something in the lake that didn't quite register in his brain. Yes, again, they were body parts. He was skeptical at first, but he double-checked and decided he needed to call the police. That wasn't all, though. Two other human heads surfaced in another river in the general vicinity of Nanto County. These were in better condition than the first head, so it was presumed that they had died not too long ago. It was also noted that the two faces were somewhat similar, both in their early or mid-twenties, 
which brought up the idea that these two women were perhaps sisters. It was alarming, but at least they had some clues. The Nanto police were incredibly perplexed, though. They brought their evidence forward and basically discussed with the Taizong police, as they each had part of this so-called puzzle. Not only did they have one identified corpse, they now had three to work on, though all of them very incomplete. Could they all be connected? Distance-wise, it made it seem like two of the three sets could be connected, while the other one was a separate situation, unless the killer drove around and dumped them in different bodies of water across counties. On the other hand, what if there were multiple murderers killing and dismembering people and tossing them into rivers? The two heads found in October were unmistakably female, both in their early 20s. Further investigation in the vicinity turned up a suitcase filled with women's clothing and belongings. They also managed to find other body parts that may have belonged to the two heads. It had been about a month since the first head was found, and now they had three heads on their hands. If only there was a way to find out if these women were connected. If only there were missing persons reports to go on. While the search for the body parts and all that was going on, the Taizong police got a break when a woman came forward a few days after the earthquake looking for her sister. According to the woman who was from Nanto County, her sister named Pan Ai lived somewhere in Taizong County. Pan was said to be very close to her family, had a habit of visiting her mother in Nanto County every single weekend. And since the earthquake shook the country pretty badly, the woman had expected her sister to call to check in, which she never did. Well, that's not technically true. She said that they did receive a phone call from a woman claiming to be her sister after the earthquake, but to her, it did not sound like her sister at all. When she tried to get in touch again, the call simply never went through. The names of those who died or disappeared in the earthquake were cross-checked, but her sister was not among them, which made the whole situation even more weird. Did the sister, Pan, just leave? Or was she in bigger trouble? The police were beginning to wonder if the body and the head they found could be the sister of the woman. The age seemed to match, but it was very difficult to tell just by looking, and in order to have a DNA test conducted, they would require more evidence. The police looked into the woman's sister, Pan, and found that she had been working at a hostel in Taizong City. But the weird thing was that she hadn't shown up for work for at least a month. This timeline actually did coincide with the timeline of the first body. Then, the police hear something else that got things going. Pan had two daughters, both in their early 20s. Both had gone missing within a few weeks after their mother disappeared. Well, well, well. I'm sure you know where this is going. The police, of course, went down to the hostel and asked the employees about Pan. And to their surprise... She had taken time off work due to some type of illness, but curiously enough, it wasn't Pan herself that called in sick. It was her boyfriend. The police then paid a visit to Pan's boyfriend, a man surnamed Wu, who worked as a taxi driver. He admitted that yes, he was the one who called in sick for Pan. He said he wasn't sure what kind of illness she was suffering from, but according to him, she visited all the major hospitals in Taiwan and when none of the hospitals were able to help her, Pan decided to leave Taiwan for Hong Kong, 
where he claimed she made some miracle acupuncture appointment. The police were quite skeptical of his account, because even if Pan had been sick, it's been a whole month and she never bothered to tell anyone or call her family. Even after the earthquake, wouldn't she want to know if her family was doing okay? The police humored the boyfriend's account and checked her immigration status, and, not surprisingly, there were no records of Pan leaving the country at all. Even though the boyfriend seemed quite sus, they had no concrete evidence to link him to anything. They didn't even know if the head they found belonged to Pan. The only thing they could really do was to keep a close eye on him, hoping in the meantime, more evidence will show up so they can move this case forward. They were also proceeding with a DNA test to see if the first body they found was a match to Pan, and also if the two other younger women were in fact her daughters. As you might have guessed, the first head and vertebrae found indeed belonged to Pan Ai, and as for the two found a month later, they were positively identified as her two daughters. Very tragic, and it makes you wonder what could possess someone to do such evil deeds assuming one person killed and disposed of all three women. Well, I'm sure we all have the same idea as to who's behind all this, or at least a person who knows more than they're letting on. That's right, Pan's boyfriend, the sweet, loving guy who helped her call in sick at work. After finding out the connection between the three bodies and whose inability to tell them more about his girlfriend, police got their arrest warrant for Wu. They had no trouble hunting him down on the streets of Taizong, and once he was cornered, Wu got out of his taxi and immediately confessed then and there. He stated his name, admitted to killing his 41-year-old girlfriend, Pan Ai, and as an added bonus, all the evidence the police needed was in his taxi. I guess he knew it was only a matter of time till he was caught, so instead of running, he chose to face the consequences. I don't want to compliment the man for not running or putting up a fight, because this is all just consequences of his own evil actions. So just a couple of weeks ago, I subscribed to this app on my phone for a free trial. Usually I'm very vigilant on free subscriptions because no one likes to be charged for something they don't want. How many of you have encountered this issue? Maybe not all of you, but I bet at least some of you. You suddenly get charged an outrageous amount on your Apple or Google Pay and you're like, oh man, I forgot to cancel that thing. Then you go through the hassle of contacting customer support and sometimes the outcome is disappointing. It's a first world type of problem. There are so many subscriptions out there and I get it. We love to try new things. Sometimes we forget to cancel, and sometimes websites make it impossible to cancel. Well, fret not, my friends. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bill, all in one place. They will identify subscriptions, and if it's no longer needed, just hit cancel, and they'll do it for you. Over 80% of the population have forgotten about active subscriptions. In addition, it's a great app to help keep track of your spending. And not just that, 
They also categorize your expenses, which in turn helps you budget your money. Over 3 million people have tried Rocket Money to help track and save money. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash madness. That's rocketmoney.com slash madness. rocketmoney.com slash madness. Once he was at the police station, he told the police everything they wanted to know. What caught everyone off guard was the fact that he was very calm, very agreeable, and very charming. He was laughing, smiling, acting like he was just catching up with old friends over a beer. It must have been very daunting seeing a guy who murdered his girlfriend and her two adult children, acting like it was no big deal. So what's his story? According to him and presumably by those who knew them, Wu met Pan about 15 years ago, in the early 1980s, when they were working in the same factory. At this time, Pan was still married to her first husband, and both her daughters were still very young, but the two quickly fell in love and had a full-blown love affair, the kind where they didn't care who found out. The town they lived in was small, and they would constantly be the source of gossip in the community. This was very stressful to everyone involved, so she finally did the right thing and divorced her husband. I don't have much information on the first husband, but it must have sucked for him. Pan then moved to Taizong City with Wu, looking for a fresh start. Wu took up a job as a taxi driver, and Pan found a job waitressing at a hotel restaurant. All the money the couple made went directly to Pan, making her the unofficial financial advisor of the family. A few years after living together, Pan introduced her two daughters to Wu, and the four of them all got along quite well. There were no hard feelings despite the divorce and cheating, and the two girls would visit often and go on trips with Pan and Wu. Everyone who knew the couple stated that Wu seemed like a nice guy, very loyal, friendly, and decent. But we all know that this is just appearances, and for sure, they can be deceiving. A few years later, Pan discovered that her live-in partner, Wu, was having an affair with another woman, and this angered her. She felt cheated. I know some of you might be thinking, well, that's real funny coming from her. I get it. She cheated with Wu, and somehow the same fate ended up circling back to her. I mean, two wrongs don't really make a right either. She demanded that he stop seeing this woman immediately. But Wu ignored her and continued to do as he pleased. The couple continued to argue about his infidelity. And it got to a certain point, where their arguments were all about money. Wu was worried that Pan was going to take all his money and leave him, as she was in charge of their finances, and he was unwilling to let go of either her or the money. Yeah, I know many of you might have some thoughts about the situation, and to be honest... I find it very ridiculous and confusing. Like, okay, she cheated on her first husband with you, and now you're cheating on her. She wants to leave because you don't want to stop seeing the other woman, but you also feel cheated because you don't want her to leave? So basically, he wants her to suck it up and let him do his side business and pretend everything is fine. Wu was the main breadwinner of the family, yes, 
So the idea of Pan leaving with all his money angered him. The arguments got worse, and he began to feel pure hatred towards not only Pan, but also her daughters, as he felt that a large portion of his earnings went to the two girls. He couldn't cope with the idea that he worked so damn hard, and yet Pan was okay taking everything from him. That's when he came up with his brilliant plan of getting rid of those he saw as a burden. On the evening of August 20th, 1999, he poisoned Pan's Chinese medication drink and stood there the whole time, watching her struggle and eventually die. He left her body in the apartment for a few days, but because it was summer in Taiwan and Taiwan summers are fucking brutal and humid, the stench was becoming unbearable for him. Also, the neighbors might start complaining, and he didn't need anyone poking their heads into his illegal work. He also managed to call her place of work at this time, claiming that she was ill and had to travel to other cities and to Hong Kong for treatment. He was apparently very composed, very calm and reassuring, so no one suspected anything. After making the calls, he decided it was time to get rid of the body. He dismembered her with a sturdy meat cleaver and stuffed all her parts into his freezer. He then felt very accomplished, I guess, so he invited his affair partner over and the two had sex in the apartment. Very disturbing on all levels. I cannot imagine going to someone's house, getting intimate with them, only to find out he's got body parts in his freezer. What if she wanted to get some ice cubes or make food stored in the freezer? Would Wu have killed her too if she found out? But then again, maybe she knew about what he had done, so it wouldn't make a difference. Around this time was when the police first paid a visit to his apartment, asking him about Pan's whereabouts and her sickness. He told the police about her getting treatment, going to Hong Kong, and since it was summer, he even offered the police officers ice cream from his freezer. Yeah ice cream casually stored next to Pan's body parts. What a sicko. The police declined at the time, and understandably, they were very shocked when they found out later on, but relieved that they had declined the offer. So how long can someone live in an apartment with frozen body parts? The answer is, not very long. I imagine it takes up a lot of space, and eventually would need to go somewhere. Wu felt that he needed to find a way to get rid of the body parts, so one morning, he dragged everything onto his taxi, stuffed them into the trunk, and drove around looking for the perfect spot. He eventually came upon a river and decided this was it. He dumped all the parts into the river, stayed for another hour, fishing. I don't think he was fishing because he was in the mood to fish, but rather wanted to see if the body parts would stay underwater or get washed away. Really dumb. He fished for about an hour, saw that nothing came floating back up, so he packed his fishing gear, mentally patted himself on the back, and left. You would think that was it for Pan, but obviously it was not. Like I mentioned earlier, Pan was very close to her family, including her mother, her sister, and her two daughters. When the two daughters failed to hear from their mother for weeks, especially after the earthquake, they themselves decided to give Wu a call to see if their mother was around. Wu knew that this was not going to end well, and although his initial plan was to only kill Pan, he knew he had to get rid of anyone who was suspicious of him. He then concocted a plan, luring the two daughters over to his apartment, but separately, of course. 
he did not have the confidence to kill both at the same time. He used the same method on both women, poisoning their drinks, killing them, and dismembering them in his apartment. One of the daughters even regained consciousness after she was poisoned, but he quickly put her in a tub full of water, watching her helplessly drown. He initially wanted to dump their bodies in the same place as their mother, but because of the earthquake, the river area was sealed off, so he had to drive to other places with bodies of water. And that's the reason why he dumped the body parts of the daughters so far away from the first one. As for Wu's girlfriend, you might be wondering if she was a willing participant in all this. I don't know if she was in on it, or if she knew bits and pieces, or perhaps nothing at all. It was later revealed, though, that the phone call made to Pan's sister and mother was indeed the girlfriend impersonating Pan. After he was arrested, though, Wu showed no signs of remorse, constantly berating and dissing reporters for asking questions, showing anger and blame towards his victims. He called his wife and her daughters ungrateful and annoying. Taiwan's justice system seems to move very fast for vicious crimes such as these, and not long after his arrest and confession, he was sentenced to death. When asked if he had anything to say to Pan's family, he said no. He explained that any apology from him will be fake, useless, and unnecessary. The family won't accept his apology either, so no point in dragging this out. Fair point, but sometimes it's the thought that counts unless he has no remorse. One other thing happened right before his execution, which is honestly something that happens a lot in Taiwan, and it kind of annoys me. He began to meet with a Christian minister, and he got baptized, declaring himself a born-again Christian. If you recall episode 1, the main kidnapper who murdered a 17-year-old girl also pulled the same stunt after he was sentenced to death. I know, I know. I'm not trying to gatekeep Christianity, I'm not saying these people can get baptized or become religious, but it just seems like people do it for the just-in-case aspect. Oddly convenient timing. Last-ditch effort to feel better about yourself, or maybe change public opinion. What if there is a God? So if I get baptized now, that means all my sins get cancelled out, right? I can't say for sure if he truly felt remorse or if it was just all an act. Taiwan loves this kind of thing, and the Christian church really jumps right into it. Which in part, I get. If you're a true believer, you'll want to help as many people as you can. Maybe Wu had some time to calm down and reflect on his actions. But everything was just too little too late. He was executed in July of 2001 via firing squad, less than two years after he murdered Pen and her daughters. Wu explained several times that the reason he killed was because he felt this uncontrollable sense of rage towards Pan. How dare she try and leave him after everything he's done for her? After treating her daughters like his own, he obviously disregarded the fact that he was cheating. And in his mind, this shouldn't matter. Or maybe he felt it was justified because he knew Pan had cheated on her first husband with him. But in the end, all he cared about was the money. He wanted to take control of everything in their bank accounts and make sure none of it went to Pan or her daughters. Divorce, as we've heard time and time again, is very expensive. 
I should also point out that certain news sources stated that it was Pan who was having an affair, and that she had intentions of leaving him for another man and taking all the money. Sure, that situation sucks as well, but does murder really do the trick? And was it really necessary to murder her daughters who were completely innocent and ignorant of their troubles? If you're in a bad relationship, the answer most people would give you is to leave. I know, easier said than done, but I honestly fail to see how killing someone can solve your problems. Most people are not as clever as they think they are, which is pretty obvious considering the amount of cases out there involving murder. Wu obviously realized that killing Pan was dumb, and in return for taking three lives, he now had to pay with his own life. Is that fair? Maybe. It's not going to bring anyone back, unfortunately, which is an argument most anti-capital punishment people make. While true, sometimes the law believes that this is the best outcome, whether for the country or for the family members. What are your thoughts? As you know, Taiwan can be quite superstitious. There were a few mentions here and there about women ghost-like figures and strange things happening around the events such as the detective's car breaking down whilst en route to the crime scene, but starting up again miraculously after he spoke out loud during his crisis about wanting to solve the case and bring her peace. The man who found the first head was also reportedly being followed by a womanly figure, but instead of bad luck, the ghost was said to have brought him good luck, as in he won some type of lottery. It's strange, and I know some of you don't believe in this kind of stuff. It's fine, but I'm just saying, it never happened to you, so who knows what's really out there. I believe the police never managed to recover all the body parts belonging to the three women, but it's been more than 20 years now. Perhaps they have been found, or maybe they've completely decomposed. Who knows? So there you have it. A case that involves love, money and the mixed feelings that come from those. Is money really the root of evil? In some ways, yes, people can't betray others and do unimaginable things just to secure some type of wealth. Is it our fault we put so much emphasis on money? I don't think so. Without money, we are so limited. Why else do we work, save, and invest? While part of me understands the frustration of potentially losing all your money to someone else, murder should never be the answer. If anything, it'll almost always bring you more trouble that no amount of money can get you out of. Ultimately, it's greed. Greed for whatever it is that you want. What do you think? There's rarely a good reason to kill anyone, and no guarantee that it won't come back to bite you in the ass. Stay safe, my friends. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com.